life and business legacy on purpose through mindset, branding, marketing, sales, systems, and team so they can make an amazing impact and income and positively affect their communities worldwide. Ensure that you are sharing this show, you're subscribing, and you also are leaving us a review so we can create more amazing content around those areas to help you level up to the next level and also bring amazing guest experts that can share their knowledge and expertise with you so that you can create amazing legacy. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to another show. I'm so excited to be back with you with another really important topic today, um, which is maybe a little heavy for the beginning of a new year, but I think absolutely could help um, someone that might be listening to our interview today. So today we're going to talk about how to spot the signs of depression and thoughts of suicide uh, with Frank King, uh, an amazing acquaintance from um, our LinkedIn network. And Frank has so much energy and expertise in this area. But not only, he's also going to tell us a little bit around uh, the area of um, speaking and uh, landing a TEDx talk and all of that. Because I know that this audience also has a lot of amazing speakers that are always looking to um, land stages and, and uh, create impact with their message. So Frank, without further ado, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for finding time to be here. My pleasure. Just so you know, I did my 12th TEDx talk on Saturday. That's an even dozen. Wow, congratulations. Talk about impact. Your 12th TEDx. I'm sure there's so many people that are just trying to land that first one. So I can't wait to ask you some insightful questions around um, how did you actually do that and you're successful landing your 12th. So Frank, let's start with, I usually start off my guests with, um, if you could share a few of the most meaningful moments that led you to this work. Well, let's get to know you better. Depression, suicide run in my family. It's called generational depression and suicide. My grandmother died by suicide. My mother found her. My great aunt died by suicide. My mother and I found her. I was four years old. I screamed for days. And during the last recession in April of 2010, after filing chapter seven bankruptcy, losing everything, uh, that's when I learned what the barrel of my gun tasted like, literally. Uh, spoiler alert, I did not pull the trigger. Uh, a friend of mine came up after a keynote recently and said, hey man, how come you didn't pull the trigger? I said, hey, man, could you try to sound slightly less disappointed? So that's what led me. People ask me, <clears throat> you speak on suicide prevention. How'd you pick that? Well, pretty much picked me. It's my passion, my purpose. My goal is to save a life a day. And they wonder about being a comedian and doing that. And they ask, are there jokes about depression and suicide? No, but there are funny personal anecdotes that I share, like the one I just shared that make the material a lot more easily digestible because it is a very dark topic. And, and by the way, my first TEDx talk, I did that because I'd been a stand-up comedian full-time for two and a half decades prior to the last recession. And I thought, who's going to take me seriously? Think who's going to think I can do anything serious. So I thought I'll do a TEDx talk. I'll prove it. So I applied and I got the first one I ever applied for, which doesn't often happen. And I did it on suicide prevention. And mm -hmm. that allowed meeting planners and speakers bureaus to realize that I could do something serious with humor. 
Yeah, well, talk about connecting the dots to your purpose. I love that you said it found you because it's your life experience. So uh, the fact that you now are sharing it with others and using all these new channels to speak about it, I think it's really empowering as well. Um, so let's start with some of those signs since, um, you know, just kind of bring some awareness around this topic. What are some of those signs that we, we can look out for? Well, and here's the good news, by the way. Eight out of 10 people who are suicidal are ambivalent. They cannot make up their mind. And nine out of 10 give hints in the last week leading up to an attempt, which means you can make a difference. You can save a life and you can do it by doing something as simple as what we're doing right here. And that is having a conversation if you know what to look and listen for. And we're going to cover that right now. Uh, depression. This is not an exhaustive list, but three top sign symptoms to my mind. One, uh, they eat too much or can't eat sleep too much or can't sleep. They often have trouble getting out of bed in the morning, so they're frequently late for class or school or work, but rally in the afternoon, almost like a different person. And here's one you can observe visually. Normally, they're pretty well put together, but this day, their hair's a little dirty, clothes aren't quite so clean. It may be because they're having trouble getting out of bed in the morning, run a load of wash, take a shower. So the question comes up, what do you say to somebody you believe is depressed? Well, here's what you don't say. Pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Turn that frown upside down. My personal favorite is, have you tried fish oil? At which point I go from suicidal to homicidal. Now, if they are depressed, you, you should say, I'm here for you and I mean it. I know you're not lazy or crazy or self-absorbed. I know that depression is a mental illness, but with time and treatment, things will get better. I'll take the time. I'll help you get the treatment. And then, and if you work in a business, they often have what's called an EAP, an employee assistance program. It's a binder and, and, and there will be mental health benefits in that binder. So you go to HR and go, look, I got this issue. What's in the binder? If they're depressed, the last question you need to ask them, and this is the difficult part, are you having thoughts of suicide? Very difficult to ask that question but should be asked that way. Now, there's an old wives tale that you should never mention the word suicide in front of somebody who's depressed because it might give them the idea. Suicide, what a great idea. Why did not think of that? Trust me, it crossed their mind. So you have to ask. Now, let's say you ask because you think they may be having thoughts of suicide, but they deny it. How would you know? Well, there are signs for that too. They talk about death and dying. You catch them Googling death, dying, or how to die by suicide. Death and dying appears as a theme in their artwork or their music or their writing. They're getting their affairs in order, especially if they're giving away prized possessions because they want to make sure the possessions go to the people they want them to go to when they're gone. And here's a counterintuitive one that's very dangerous. They've been depressed forever and now they're happy but for no apparent reason. And you're happy because they're happy. They may be happy because they've chosen time, place, and method, and they know the pain is coming to an end, which is something that a lot of people don't understand about suicidality. It's not most often not about wanting to kill yourself. I didn't want to kill myself. I just wanted to end the pain. But let's say they're forthcoming and they say, yes, I'm having thoughts of suicide. What do you say? You say, do you have a plan? And if their plan is detailed, time, place, and method, need to do your best to get them to a mental health facility as quickly as possible. At the very least, get them on the phone 
Dial 988, the Suicide Prevention Lifeline, or text to 988, the Suicide Prevention Text Line. Now, let's say they are having thoughts of suicide, but their plan is not particularly detailed. What would you do? What would you say? I would say, okay, tell me, are you going to kill yourself? And if they say no, I would say, okay, tell me why not. Make them give voice to whatever's keeping them here because something is keeping them here. Otherwise, you would not be having that conversation. And then I try to leverage whatever they tell me. Wow. I, um, yeah, I mean, this is really good information. And I like that you challenged a lot of, you know, a lot of people are scared to even ask these questions. And yeah, I could, I could see how maybe even asking if they're, feeling these, you know, these, these things, or if they're planning to actually even do it and how for most people. Yeah. I think that's definitely, um, uh, very, very uncomfortable, but as you said, it's important to be able to do that because that's really how we can support someone else that might be going through that. Um, uh, Frank, I was curious to, to say, cause I've heard, I think we, even when we connected, we talked about mental health and entrepreneurship or entrepreneurs struggle with mental health. What is the correlation? What can you share with us around being an entrepreneur, you know, building a business and mental health? Like how does, how does that both connect? Last two studies I read, it was determined in both studies that one third, a full one third of entrepreneurs were depressed and suicidal. And the clinicians believed in both studies that it was long hours, little sleep and unmet expectations. However, I believe there's a subset of that group that were as I was. I was married, a wonderful woman, but we didn't belong together. So I was miserable. I was selling insurance, great business, but I didn't belong there. And I was miserable and I was not pursuing what I thought I should be pursuing, which was stand up comedy. I wasn't going to open mic night because my first wife did not like that. And I realized in January of 1984, that if I didn't change something and fast, I was going to kill myself sooner rather than later. My second thought was very empowering. I thought, well, I could divorce my wife, quit my insurance job, try stand-up comedy. If it works, great. If it doesn't, I can always kill myself. And I think there's a subset of entrepreneurs. I think Kate Spade falls into this category, I, be I believe. I can't swear to that. Anthony Bourdain, both had great careers before they, before Kate started her own fashion line, she was the accessories editor at a big fashion magazine. Great job. And Anthony Bourdain was in college, I think, at, at uh, Vassar, making good grades. Uh, was, un undoubtedly would have a good career at whatever he decided to do, but, but probably said to himself, I don't belong here. I belong in culinary, at the Culinary Institute. So both, both quit their, what they were doing to pursue what I believe was what they were meant to do. And, and both had, by the way, had mental health histories. Both um, were self-medicating, as far as I know. Sadly, Kate Spade, her sister said to her, I think you need to get treatment, therapy. And supposedly, Kate Spade said, I can't go into treatment because it would damage my happy-go-lucky brand. Mm. Yep. So, yeah. well, I mean, um, I like that you actually share that there's actually some history as well, because it just seems that, um, so my next question would be like, okay, so what do we do when we feel uh, misaligned with our purpose and we feel the regret towards certain things that we feel 
compelled to pursue and maybe we're not doing it for a million reasons you know what are some of those things that we could do because absolutely absolutely i definitely have felt personally the conflict of not being in the right place not being you know not doing what i was i felt like i needed to do and living every day with so much regret could probably potentially lead someone to feel sad and then through that process of the other things as well as as I guess these things can escalate and get to the next level very fast, unfortunately. So what are some, uh, what is some advice that you can give entrepreneurs that maybe just even the business they've built is not the business that is really giving them a lot of joy. So they're going into these dark thoughts or, you know, um, and, and they might be struggling with this. I think Seth Godin, marketing guru, had an episode on what's called sunk, S-U-N-K, sunk costs. Hmm. What he's talking about is time, effort, and money you have put into something. Let's say you, your father was a doctor and you were pressured into going to medical school. And so you go to medical school. Now you've obviously invested a great deal of time, effort, and a great deal of money to become a doctor. But let's say that's not, you're living up to your folks' expectations, not yours. It's called individuation. It's kind of like a midlife crisis. You realize, I, I don't want to be a doctor. Well, many people will look at the money and the time and the effort they put in and think, well, you know, I've, I've got so much time, effort, and money in this. I really can't. But I th- here's, the, here's what Seth Godin said. That time, effort, and money is sunk cost. You cannot retrieve that ever. Staying where you are and becoming a physician, you're never going to get that time, effort, and money back. You need to decide if this is where you belong or should you be doing something else? He said in that episode, people say winners never quit and quitters never win. He said, that's not true. He said, winners quit quickly. If it's not working, if it's not where they belong, they bail out. There's a guy, um, Michael Crichton, the author, had gone to undergrad and then got into a really good graduate uh, uh, medicine, uh, medical school and graduated top of his class in medical school and could have had pretty much any job he wanted either in research or in practicing medicine. And he realized that's not where he belonged. And he pitched it all and became an author and a very successful one. So he he looked at the sunk cost and thought, can't have that back. There's nothing I can do about it. It's not where I belong. So I would say you need to ask, if you're an entrepreneur and you're miserable, you need to ask yourself, Am I living up to my expectations or someone else's? Am I the person I came here to be? And am I doing what I came here to do? When I got on stage at my first open mic night, halfway through my little five minutes, I heard a voice inside my head say, you're home. Mm, yeah. I, I knew that. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. I love that um, you shared that. And I could so agree when there's like signs, you know, there's like all these little signs around our lives, you know, that we kind of just either disregard or, you know, don't want to listen to, or might not even have the awareness to kind of look at them, but they're, they're all, they're all aligning there. So we pay attention to our inner calling and the things that make us happy for sure. I love that you cover some costs. I think that's very hard problem for a lot of entrepreneurs, especially when you put in time, energy, dedication towards something. But, you know, just a mindset shift, at least that has helped me with that is, listen, I, at the end of the day, I learned, I have experience, 
right? And that's something that cannot be taken away, even though it was something that was no longer serving me. And, you know, getting that courage to be able to make a new decision and move into a new direction, even if you need to maybe a 360 degree direction, especially now, even with uh, what we're happening, what, what is going through, you might need to pivot as well, right? So, uh, and just understanding that a lot of that life experience or experience from something else you're doing is going to come to serve you somewhere else. So I don't think anything is ever wasted at the end of the day anyway. But absolutely being able to make that change uh, will uh, definitely put you in the right path. Um, and uh, you will feel aligned with that. And you will create, become even more productive and create results in that area at the highest level because it's connected to you personally as well. So on a lighter note, let's switch into more the speaking side as I have a lot of entrepreneurs that obviously oh. speaking is a very great way to share our message, whether whether it's your main business or, or whether it's something you do alongside the other things that you're doing, you know, it's it's a great way to, um, to be able to create impact. And that's important for us here. So Frank, based on your experience with uh, being a speaker 12 times at TEDx, what are some things that you could share with us in positioning ourselves as a as a um, professional speaker, so to speak, but also being able to uh, land TEDx's and, and have that authority building behind us, uh, as I know it's very important for your branding as a speaker. Very important for your brand. Uh, it's what people ask me why I did so many, because each one builds my brand. Each one is on mental health, one aspect or another. And the way I feel about branding is, especially for entrepreneurs, you don't want to be a secret agent. You don't want to work undercover. A friend of mine, Kimberly Crow, says, if you're not being seen, you're being overlooked. And speaking uh, about your business, whatever it is you're an entrepreneur in, to build your brand, you know, beyond the walls of your business. Uh, one of the most successful real estate agents here in town, um, I can't think of the guy's name, Corky something. But I mean, billboards, he has built his brand as the realtor in this area billboards, radio uh, interviews, radio advertisements, television advertisements, speaking. You know, he speaks, I imagine, to mortgage brokers, to uh, title insurance companies to get his name out there so that, that you know, everywhere you go you, in that business, you bump into Corky. So I think a TEDx is a great way to begin that process if you are uh, an entrepreneur of pretty much any sort. Um, also, a piece of advice for entrepreneurs. Uh, and I did this in 2014. I decided to speak on one thing, suicide prevention. I can speak on several things, but I decided I need to pick a lane and become the expert. After looking at a couple of businesses in my town where they were super successful, one, a guy owns three radio stations. The other is an auto body shop. I thought, what do they have in common? Why are they so successful? They do one thing and they do it really well. Oftentimes, the problem for entrepreneurs is they're good at a lot of things. They could do a lot of things. The question is, should you? I advise pick a lane, become the expert, the go-to, you know, so and figure out who your ideal clients are and only market to them. I market to six different industries with high rates of suicide. Uh, the body shop fellow markets to people who are in this area who are very conscious of the environment. So all of his processes, it takes a little longer to get the car back but the paints and whatever he uses are much more ecologically friendly than the other straight up body shops. So not only did he pick a lane, he picked his ideal client and they, I, I just, I have car worked on right now. It's been seven weeks. 
to get mm -hmm. the appointment and it's been three weeks and I may get the car back this week, but he's, he's seven weeks out for an appointment. That is amazingly successful. Yeah. Well, experts, right? Expertise, be, being an expert in a certain area is really important, not only because of the, you know, monetarily um, value or the perception of your brand, but, uh, you know, then people perceive you as that expert and you're able to create those transformations as well. So I think it's important. What about the process to actually getting a TEDx talk or landing one, I should say? Is there something you could share with us around that specific process? Most most people listening, you know, we do uh, different things. So what is there something we should focus on? Like, how do we position ourselves for uh, to land the TEDx talk? Well, first thing I would do is buy a book called Talk Like Ted. Talk Like Ted by a guy named Carmine Gallo, G-A-L-L-O, like the wine. Talk Like Ted. It's a great TEDx 101. Second thing, Ted does not make it easy to find the links to apply. You can go to an official TED site and you can find out all about the event, but there's no link there to an application. So you go to Google and type in TEDx applications 2024. And what you're looking for is the actual websites of the actual events like TEDx Nashville, TEDx Chicago, TEDx San Diego. That's where you'll find the link to apply on their websites. And I would advise apply all over the country. I've never done one that I didn't have to fly to of the 12. I've had, always had to get on a plane to do it. Um, some of them are restricted geographically. Chicago, you need to live in Illinois. San Diego, you got to live in San Diego County. But most of them, they'll take anybody from anywhere with a great idea worth spreading. So apply, apply, apply. I had a client, I got, I got him a TEDx talk in an hour, one hour, uh, two weeks ago. He was he was on the one I did over the weekend uh, because he was speaking on the on the theme and they were one speaker short. And I said, look, call her. I bet you put you on the bill. She did. Now, another client of mine, it took 90 applications. Bless his heart. But he got one. So apply, apply, apply is my advice. Yeah. And network sounds like too, right? Get to know the people or the organizers as well. So <clears throat> I think it's really important as well. Well, Frank, thank you so much for everything you just shared. We actually have reached the end of our interview. And uh, I really, you know, I think uh, definitely people watching will walk away with some really great next steps around mental health and even how to brand yourself as a speaker and let it to next talk. So uh, I would love to ask you for a final message if you feel like you want to share something with our audience. And also, where is it that the audience can continue this conversation with you? Uh, mentalhealthcomedian.com, mentalhealthcomedian.com. And my final thought is eight out of 10 people who are suicidal are ambivalent. Nine out of 10 give hints in the last week leading up to attempt, which means you can make a difference. You can save a life and you can do it by doing something as simple as this, having a conversation if you know how, and now you know how. All right. Well, thank you so much. It was a beautiful conversation. Thanks again for watching. And I uh, will see you next time with another amazing guest and conversation. Don't forget to share, review, and subscribe. Thank you so much for your support. I'll see you next time. Bye, everybody. Looking for alignment between your purpose and your profit in your business. If you're experiencing these two main pain points in your business, lack of consistent cash flow, and sales, and also lack of knowledge and strategy for scalability, then we must connect. I would love to schedule a call for a 30-minute free discovery session where I could see what you have built, me where you are, 
in your phase and stage of growth and also help you identify some of the gaps that you might be experiencing in your business, in the alignment of your purpose and profit, and also in really carrying forward that vision that you have for your company moving forward for your impact and also for your profit. Schedule a free 30-minute discovery call in the link below as my calendar gets very full very fast, and I'm looking forward to seeing you there.